Hello and welcome to Past the Pod to your Witcher. I'm your co-host Dov. I'm your co-host Aaron. And I'm Nick. And today we're discussing Eternal Flame, the third short story from the A Sword of Destiny anthology. Yeah, this is so. This is a weird one because it's not really. It feels like DLC. <laughs> <laughs> kind of does it's just like this little side quest that has really no bearing on anything it's just a bit of extra world building like all the first paragraph really tells us is that um that Geralt split up with yen that's the only real passing message of consequence in it really i mean of course it's just wonderful um color about what dandelion's been up to um in the interim um which is you know cheating on his quote-unquote fiance getting thrown out of her flat only to realize that she's been cheating on him because she throws another man's trousers at him (laughs) (laughs) uh... i mean well dandelion claims that like this is evidence of like (laughs) Like I, I totally believe Dandelion when he says he doesn't recognize those 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 trousers. But like from what from what it sounds like her flat is a mess, so like there's probably all sorts of shit left over from who knows when. True. I just I just love the idea that she's just infuriate infuriated with him for cheating and has in fact also been cheating. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> What can I say? What stays in Nov- What happens in Novigrad stays in Novigrad. Um... Yes. Oh, I love Geralt's little dig at Yennefer as well here. Um, when, um, you know, he notes that Dandelion's having um, jars of preserve thrown at him and that, you know, when he lived with Yennefer, she would occasionally throw jars of preserve at him in anger, jars she had received from clients. Yennefer had no idea how to make preserve. Her ma- magic was fallible in this respect. It's like, yeah, Yen's not a housewife, Geralt. Like, yeah. Like, it's not exactly surprising, mate. Like... Um, yes. So, uh, I mean, he's... he's the, the, the dig about the jam is funny because, you know, even when they've long split up, he is... Um, opining on the philosophical nature of her cookery. <laughs> yeah, she lives in his head rent free. Like, it just, yeah, he cannot stop thinking about her, even if it is to take a stab at her. Yeah. You know, lack of domesticity. He compares everything he fucking encounters to Yen, basically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's quite funny. And adorable, yes. to be fair. Yes. Um, I also quite like. Um, the sort of contrast between Dandelion and Geralt's sort of feelings about cities in general, because we know from A Shard of Ice, I mean, okay, the town in A Shard of Ice was pretty terrible anyway, but we get a lot of, like, Geralt's, like, hypersensitive senses having a hard time in cities and things. I just thought it was just sort of a f- interesting or funny um, contrast to how Dandelion and Geralt feel about cities. And you see, you know, they walk down the alley as they're heading towards the inn, and Dandelion is just waxing lyrical about Novigrad, the capital of the world, the center and cradle of culture. Here, a cultured man can live a, live life to the full. And you know, Geralt has to nudge him that they need to live life one lane further on because people are literally shitting in the alley. Like, as Dandelion's giving this great speech about, like, being the center of culture. And... Well, he's m- mostly a big fan of the women, you know. Big, yes. <laughs> wet-furred and fragrant, those satins and velvets yes. and stuff. <laughs> Um, and then he starts dropping into poetry because he's writing a new ballad. Uh, yes, winter. And so they proceed towards the inn and they are broke as usual. Um, Geralt has spent all of his money on a new jacket because apparently 
that's what you do. And you've seen <laughs> the new screens. You've seen the effects they have on people. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, speaking of new jacket. Oh Jesus. <laughs> they've, oh, gone, no. they've gone um, George Clooney Batman um, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to complain. They're leaning into the target <laughs> audience, really. Um, uh, they they sure are. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, know, bless you, with her Queera, with her Queera. <laughs> and <laughs> Geralt with his Conan ass armor. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you saw the shit that I was posting on Twitter yesterday, so I'm not even gonna go into. <laughs> we all did. How, how is it? How is it pronounced? I thought um, you know the word for like chest armor. Is it cuirass? 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 Okay, I'm Quiras. always reluctant to say that because it sounds bad. <laughs> I know. It's like que- queer. Like that's 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 French for leather. Oh, so. of course. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's queer. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's queer ass, but that sounds terrible. So yes, um, um, yeah. So your your man Dandelion has debts to settle, and Geralt, um, is basically just stone broke anyway, as as they often are, and mm-hmm. so they pitch up in the sword blade, if I remember rightly, the spear blade. Sorry. Yes, and they uh, find out that their uh, well, that Dandelion's friend, um. Dainty Bibivertveld, the um, halfling merchant, is um, supposed to be in the inn, and they figure they can go and mooch some drinks and food off of him, <laughs> which you know they try to do. Dainty acts a little bit weird when they when they show up. He's, he's but... trembling, um, onions hanging yeah. off the edge of his spoon. I believe it's described as. Yes, um, but they have a con- conversation of no real consequence, really. Um, Apart from this, I don't know, man, like there's a lot of troubling talk about female elves and half elves in this story. I'm not going to lie. Um, just like, oh, they're trying to like mooch some money off of them to go to the Passiflora, which is supposed to be They like, like a the kind of brothel. like actively fetishize female elves. It's kind of like. Yeah. The line like we may treat ourselves to a half-blood she-elf when they're talking about trying to mooch some money to go to the Passiflora. Like it's Ooh. it's like I, I see I see you know like the context of which 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 it emerged, which is to say that like this was when mm-hmm. Sapkowski was still only exploring like his like various racial things, and this was a shitty very male joke at you know like the fantasy trope that elves are beautiful, like yes. but especially when you when you consider the later established context of um... yeah it basically sounds like when well it's not even later established context i mean this is oh actually i have no idea what order these were written in presumably these were written after the well, stories that were well in no like there's like Last a little Wish. there's a few there's a little bit of racial tensions but like you know there's like i mean again like you know the the uh, fucking Dolblatana story has to be kind of seen in the vacuum a little bit um mm. because of how like out of the way from what is the civilized world in this in this setting quote unquote like geographically it is like it was literally intended as a story on the edge of the world you know that's true like so like mm-hmm. so like if you're looking at how the world develops like that needs to be taken in a, into a vac into a, a sort of vacuum of its own for a little bit just because mm-hmm. like it was clearly intended to reflect initially the cultural reality only like here on the fringes of the universe because like 
the settled elves in the last wish for instance are in the story the last wish like are clearly doing a very different kind of thing yeah that's true and in a shard of ice someone was complaining about the some high official being a half elf and they're yeah like they're like like they, they they were they were like actually whining about the fact that in that country if anything like elves seem to occasionally be appo- appointed to like actual government positions which is you know like yikes in its own way but like also like you know also st- stands outside of like what becomes the norm right for like racial politics in in the witcherverse mm-hmm. like i do think that like he kind of like only like definitively establishes you know this thing we're talking about with like blood of elves like i think yeah. before that he's kind of like still like a little bit un- unsure. Yeah, fair. You know, um, there is quite a lot of racial politics in this story, even just in this little bit, though. Where you know, when they're talking about treating themselves to a half blood she elf, and who knows, halflings are not alive into the Passiflora. The halflings, yeah. yes, who they're trying to mooch the money off of to go to the Passiflora, aren't allowed. Yeah. Into the into in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. like, uh, and speaking of yeah, halflings, plural. Um, a second yes. one turns up identical to the <laughs> yeah. first. Yes. And um, yes. a stramash, um, or a brouhaha, or a rami, or a fight, or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> breaks out. Um, yes, I believe I wrote a scuffle, so we've got all sorts of different words. <laughs> I think um, I, I was once in a position where I was in a pub with um, two English people, and I was trying to describe what they would call in English, like a scruffle, a scuffle or a brouhaha. But the problem is only Scottish words came to mind. So I was sat there <laughs> for like five minutes, just like, just, you know, saying, oh, it's, you know, a, a, a rami, a stramash. Uh, 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 I don't know. <laughs> just repeating those two words because I can't think of any other word for it. That's all I came up with, brouhaha, which nobody has used unironically outside of, you know, fantasy novels for about 50 years. Um, yes. <laughs> But yes, um, one of them breaks out. <laughs> yes. Oh, I forgot to do the thing at the start where I say that, like, this is another story that never got adapted for the show, but one tiny element of it did. And this tiny element that there exists such a thing as a Doppler. Ah, yes. Yes. Is it. And we'll have to talk about that more in detail later when um, we talk about the nature of Dopplers later on in the story. Um, I think we'll talk about the show then. But just thought I'd throw it there. This is another story that is not in the show. <laughs> It's probably unlikely to be. Um, I don't see it as being impossible. They probably will introduce Dudu as a character because he's quite consequential. They'd be good if they did. Um, like I hope him. they do. Um, yeah. So, so the um, so there's two there's there's two dainties. <laughs> there's, mm-hmm. and in fact, they are the plurality at the table. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Got a, a quorum of dainties. Ah, there are more dainties at this table than there are women. Yes. <laughs> the Bechdel yes, test is, fa- is failed the completely. Test. <laughs> the Bechdel test is like just obliterated terribly by this by this <laughs> by this gender balance here, really. Yeah, which again, shout out to the show for passing the Bechdel test in every single episode. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> Somehow. Yes. <laughs> so they um they, they they eventually manage to corner this creature and work out that he's you know a vexling or a mimic or as he calls himself a doppler called teleco lungrifink litort 
or do as his friends call him because of course <laughs> because of course um yes which um immediately sparks some kind of troubling behavior from the innkeeper if i'm honest he wants to shop him to the cops um and get him yeah he wants to, the priests no less and and, and of course doo it loses it at this he's begging like have mercy don't hand me over to humans do you know what they do to the likes of me and the innkeeper replies naturally we do the priests perform exorcisms on any vexling they catch then they tie it up with a stick between its knees and cover it thickly with clay mixed with iron filings roll it into a ball and bake it in a fire until the clay hardens into brick at least that's what used to be done years ago when these monsters occurred more often which and you have to like bless dainty for this given he's the wronged party here replies a barbaric custom human indeed yeah it's uh, yeah. I mean, from a from a fantasy story perspective, it you know makes sense and is really fucking <laughs> hardcore and metal and gruesome <laughs> and imaginable as a punishment, and it makes sense. But yes, pretty grim. Yes, the poor little dog yeah. guys. They basically get baked like bread. Yes, it's upsetting, and yeah. So Dainty tries to talk him out 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 of this because, as far as Dainty's concerned, um, if the um, if the authorities take the Doppler, then he's not going to get his money back anyway, and he needs to find out what on earth he's done with with his horses. And yes, because this other dainty has, because, yes. has stolen his horses, sold them off, and then mm-hmm. because you know dainty one presumes that horses sell for a bad price, he assumes he's basically ruined. Yes, that he's ruined his sort of entire economic situation essentially that he's been robbed really yes he figures he's just been robbed but it 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 turns out it's actually a lot more complicated than that um because as it turns out when dopplers copy a person they don't just copy their physical appearance they copy their entire mentality and memory and understanding and behavior or um as Geralt puts it, he copies the mind's properties, the character, feelings, thoughts, the soul, which would confirm what most sorcerers and all priests would deny, that the soul is also matter, which the innkeeper <laughs> does not like the sound of. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's an eternal flame kind of guy, so he's... Uh... Yeah, blasphemy. <laughs> which is, is interesting in terms of like the metaphysics of this universe, if you know, mm-hmm. the soul is a thing. Um that makes sense in the context of this universe uh, yeah. <laughs> or whether it's because he's copying their brain then is it the yes, chemistry of the brain that dictates everything it's it's, it's yeah. cool yeah it is, it is yeah but like also there's there's a genuinely interesting thing on that front like um later on it is made clear that like when the doppler copies your well also like even just recently it's made clear that when the doppler copies you like he also copies like all your knowledge and shit right and like Geralt explicitly says later on at one point that like they look into your brain like like into your mind like so so like they clearly like copy the person's mind to some degree but also the dot like Dudu is like very obviously in, in, in whatever shape he is he is still Dudu he's not mm-hmm. dainty or anyone else he transforms into throughout this story because 
Mm-hmm. Well, as you, yeah, he as, still speaks uh, as himself. As as yeah. as you, he speaks as himself, and as as you see later, it's like it's established by Geralt that like like you know in the in the in the moment where basically like the Duda transforms into Geralt, um, like Geralt says to him that like, um, you don't understand what it means to be me because you're you're actually good, <laughs> like. Um, yeah. Like. Yeah. Oh boy, we are gonna have to dive into that when we get there. And yeah, that's okay. like that. That that's that. Uh, that I think is telling in this regard because like he does have the like by transforming into Geralt, he does have literally the exact same brain chemistry as Geralt. Like, mm-hmm. it's just that like there's something inside him, like um, but that still makes him a different person. So to answer the question of whether whether the Witcherverse there is a soul, probably, like. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> yes you know i think of it's weird it's sort of a bit like um it's sort of a bit like being a trill like he's still himself but he's got access to the memories and knowledge and behavior and personalities of these other beings like from deep space nine yeah 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 though no, I, I remember the yeah. trills yeah 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 i'm, I'm just yeah. thinking about that yeah like there's there's definitely something there right like like jadzia is still jadzia but she's also the dax symbiont in all its previous memories yeah but like also like see this is the thing though like like the those those symbionts aren't exactly the same because like they they retain like the symbionts like previous memories and like a like some as aspects of their personality whereas mm-hmm. in this case in whatever shape dudu is in he still has dudu's personality like mm-hmm. he's still dudu he's like not even yeah. There's no combined identity. He just knows what it is like to be yeah. the other person, but he is still himself. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So I mean, so you're positing that in the Witcherverse there is such a thing as a soul because there must be because he's physically copied the per- the brain of he dainty he's physically his vis- he isn't dainty he he has physically copied their bodies perfectly and yet he does not become mm-hmm. dainty or. Yeah, Geralt or anyone else that he copies, he remains himself. Mm-hmm. Despite, I mean, yeah. okay, well, okay, there is also a counterpoint, which is that we don't actually know that he's fucking copying their brain, because the the transformation into somebody else's body could be entire entirely surface level, like mm-hmm. they could be just porridge people on the inside as well. What what you mm-hmm. what we're ba- what we basically would need in order to know would be for someone to catch a Doppler. In another, in another, like you know, being's shape, and perform an autopsy to really know. Oh God, no! <laughs> Can we just do an MRI, Jesus? <laughs> Not in the Witcherverse, no. Like. No. Well, okay, fair, but like. Maybe use oh, magic instead of no, magnets. we're not. That can still work. That was a very Stregobor line. We'll just vivisect one and find out what happens. Look, I'm not saying that like that like it would be morally <laughs> correct to. I'm just saying that that is the only way to know. I'm not saying that it should be done. God. <laughs> Obviously, you can't do that to sapient beings. <laughs> I'm being accused of anti-Doppler racism here. <laughs> Uh, to be clear, I do not support vivisecting Dopplers. <laughs> My I do not support vivisecting Dopplers t-shirt is raising a lot of questions that are already answered. <laughs> My I do not support vivisecting Dopplers t-shirt. 
Okay, new merch idea. <laughs> uh, look. Look. All I'm saying is... Looks like we got a utilitarian over here. You can't advance medical science without... <laughs> Without doing a few grave robberies. Oh, dove bark over here. <laughs> so they, they, they tie up the old, um, well, they sit in a snug to discover exactly what's been going on with this imposter. Um, and he turns into a little a doe person before it becomes apparent that that's clearly going to be an issue if anyone wanders in. <laughs> yes, because um, no sooner do they really run into this problem where he's turned into a doe person than a um, Mr. Swan, I believe, Schwan. the tax collector, the tax collector, turns up to see Dainty. So they kind of immediately have to to untie doo-doo and let him transform back into dainty because apparently all halflings look alike and um but so they won't get caught by um the people coming in yes and they pretend that they're like cousins um. yes <laughs> um and of course in sort of t- the, the doppler sort of takes his chance to escape and causes some commotion and, and and there's enough chaos that he he manages to flee but in this time we also find out that um Dainty now owes uh, 1,500 crowns in taxes, which means some profit must have been made somewhere and they need to go track down where that profit <laughs> was Dainty made. Dainty is same. also worried that he will go to jail because he owes taxes. Yes, he has. Yes, yeah, now he's technically tax evading. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, yes. So again, they get. Uh, there's another character turns up this time. Um when they're around a fountain trying to figure out how they're going to get out of this. Some men with uh, lamias yeah. uh, approach them. Yes. And a dude in a white caftan and a golden chain who's uh, Chappelle, who is... Yes, he's like... He's a cult leader. The big cheese at the Church of the Eternal Fire, Cult of the Eternal Fire, whatever it is. The Eternal Fire. Just the fire itself. Which... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just the fire. Yeah, yeah just the fire. <laughs> Which is the the dominant sort of religious belief in this city um, that the innkeeper is very much a devotee of. Yeah, and he basically says, um, "Oh, this we've we've arrested the innkeeper for saying, oh look, the, oh there's a there was a vexling in this pub." Because obviously that's heresy. Because there would be <laughs> the, like yes. the, the yeah, vexlings would dare approach uh, the city. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's like the Witcher Vatican, yes. basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for this specific cult, for what it's worth, I think they've they've basically arbitrarily decided they're the holy city. <laughs> yes. Um, Chappelle tries to roundabout ask Geralt if he's planning on doing any monster hunting in the city, and Geralt says, "You know, no, I don't hunt for monsters in crowded cities." And Chappelle sort of seems like he's trying to maybe bribe him into leaving. Um, and, and getting rid of Geralt. the Vexling. <laughs> Quietly. Yeah. And Yes. And uh, Geralt uh, does his, his usual thing of just being a bit rude and rebuffing 
all offers. Um, but uh, yes, they um, they part ways with Chappelle, um, who, as it turns out, is not only the uh, an important part of the temple, but is also the minister for security affairs in the Novograd Secret Service. And, and Geralt just talked out, talked back at him like, like, like one yes. does, like Geralt does. Yes. Yes. It's weird to have your Pope be the head of Secret Service as well. That's a strange decision. Yes. It's a very strange decision. With his Praetorian um, Guard there as well, in effect. Yes, and Dandelion is quite concerned that he's going to end up, you know, hanging, falling beneath the, the wheels of a wagon, uh, poisoned by a fish or drowned in a moat, <laughs> if Geralt keeps this up. Because apparently that's what Chappelle gets up to, is sort of like your sneaky sort of assassinations. Yes. Um, um, so then they run into another another character. This time it's uh, Muskrat, who's a merchant who's mm-hmm. very, very unimpressed <laughs> for making an ass load of money and not uh, getting him in on it. Yes, because uh, there was a coup in Povis and... That means that the the color that is in favor with the the ruling class is no longer uh, indigo because the previous court wore blue, but is now red, and thus they need uh, cochineal. Is that how it's pronounced? I was I was yeah, got yeah, told yeah. cochineal. Cochineal, because the 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 new the new ruling clan favors red, and somehow dainty or doo as dainty knew that this coup had occurred before anybody else and, and had bought just an absolute shit no- shitload of cochineal before I legit I legit wanted like I I, I I that is still the most interesting and answered fucking question to me of this short story. How did Dainty fucking yes. know about this coup? Sorry, not Dainty, yeah, Doo Doo. You know how Doo well actually I think I know the answer of how Doo knew. How? Chappelle's a, a spy. Yeah yeah but like and the, it's also the Chappelle surely they knew no doo before. It's they not yeah. There's no clear have. hints, no clear signal that they knew each other. Mm. That's but the only explanation, though. Like so, you know, I buy it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we will get to that, of course, at the end of the story. So I might, I might yeah, <laughs> that's the the spoiler. <laughs> um, but uh, it is Musk is Muskrat sort of, you know, telling Dainty off for this that makes Dainty sort of realize what must have happened. Uh, with all of the money from selling the horses, um, which also, incidentally, had been a um, something of a of a um, a coup. Coup, yes, because he was Dainty was going to bring the horses to the horse market, but somehow um, Dudu knew that there was going to be a, a a fur merchant vessel that needed horses to draw its carts, and since nobody sells horses in Novigrad, this would be the best place to sell them. Uh, because they could ask any price. Um, so um, basically, he sold the horses, made a ton of money on that, and then went and reinvested it in this cochineal, which he's made a ton of money on, and now Dainty's starting to put the pieces together. Oh, we've got to go to the bank. Uh... <laughs> yeah, he did, he did a bit of ID theft, except, like, <laughs> just, you know, to make an ass load of money. Um... Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so they go to the bank, and... Dandelion and Geralt are just being charming idiots. 
Um, as they do. I, I don't know, because Dandelion and Geralt are perpetually broke for some reason. And so Dandelion's wandering, wandering oh, I imagined the bank differently. Where do they keep the money, Geralt? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, this this is sort of incredible, considering that, like, one way or the other, Dandelion is, like, you know, a famous singer, right? So, like, like you'd think that, but like, he, he would have familiarized himself with the concept of a bank. It, wait, is this actually set, like, before Dandelion? Dandelion, like, really made it? Is this, like, still when he's just, like, kicking about? Like, doing... I think it is. Doing paycheck to paycheck barding? Well, yeah, because it's before A Little Sacrifice, which is also, like, they are so fucking poor. Yeah. And then, also, I mean, he is sort of just wandering around, singing in the square, and, like, um, you know, so... Paycheck to paycheck barding. Yeah, legit. Yeah, paycheck, yeah. I mean, I think Dandelion, no matter how successful he gets, I mean, yes, he does start making more money and, and hobnobbing with the royalty, but I think he's also so... Um, he loves to live extravagantly, so I can't imagine he's capable of holding on to money long enough to get, a, to get it into a bank, no matter how much he makes. It's straight to the cloth merchant and then right to the then right to the um, brothel, really. <laughs> As one does. As one does. As one does. <laughs> Anyway, I love them. They're charming idiots. Um, yeah, so they've yes. they've obviously Vivaldi's paid all their taxes off because of the bunch of money that he's made um, off the continual and the, and Dainty says, "Okay, pretend I'm an idiot and I've lost all of my memory and have no idea what I've done the last three days. <laughs> Tell me what I've done." <laughs> Which you know, Hogmanay. Sometimes we all have to go through that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, enough alcohol and, I mean... We've been there, man. We've all been there. Vim's <laughs> probably not surprised. Like, you know, in a city like Novigrad, people must be, like, like this all the time. Yes, yes. And then, as it turns out, you know, he's been trading in, in, in things like dyes and horses, and then the money was reinvested into rancid cod liver oil, rose oil, wax, earthenware bowls, and string. Which sounds like a strange... Oh, and Mimosa Bark, which sounds like a strange set of investments. Um, in fact, uh, though, we get shout out to my favourite people, of course, the Druids. Um, the Druids and the Dryads. Because the Druids and the Dryads, two of, two of my favourite sets of people in this universe. <laughs> because, um, you know, when, when, when Dainty gets sort of um, put out like, oh my god, why has he bought all of this the stupid stuff like you could buy um oak for tanning hides at you know a fraction of the price of um mimosa that was it and it turns out that in tamaria the druids have just announced that if the destruction of oaks is not stopped immediately they will afflict the lands with a plague of hornets and rats the druids are being supported by the dryads and the king there is fond of dryads um so there's been a total embargo on tamarian oak and i just love this because like i know the druids are like environmentalist cranks and I support them in everything they do but I didn't realize they went full eco-terrorist and threatened to use their like <laughs> ab- magical abilities to cause plagues of hornets and rats if, <laughs> if people didn't comply with their demands this is also worth I noting I love the druids the, this is also worth noting that this is actually like because um, it's it's Bruges that that happens in right like like so this is like an asta- like 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 actually like a little bit of like like correct me if I'm wrong because I I am literally remembering this from memory because this is one of the bits I skimmed over um, like in in the reread um, but like 
if it is Bruges, then like 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 l- later on in every short story or novel bit that has to do with Broculon, we see Venslav of Bruges being like actually like the one human king who's sort of like in favor of making deals and living in peace with the dryads rather than rather than fighting them. Mm-hmm. Like, um. So, like, this is just cool because, like, this is one of the things that, like, actually sort of persists in the world building. Yeah. Yeah, that is quite cool. Also, you know, I think my theory about Chappelle informing Doodoo is wrong, by the way. Because I totally forgot there's this bit in this scene where, um, um, Vivaldi says, um, that, um, Chappelle was snooping around, um, because the information that dainty quote-unquote dainty used to carry out the transactions was like political significance not just commercial significance and that no one knew what was happening in Pobis and Tamaria Chappelle included and Chappelle likes to be the first to know so you imagine he's racking his brains about how you knew and of course what he guesses is that Dandelion is a spy (laughs) which I mean and he could which is in fairness I mean (laughs) he spends all his time just cutting about like courts and stuff and you know he's ostensibly a buffoon but hangs around yes. with this worldly traveller who's surprisingly well-read and well-connected with sorceresses. It's not It's not a completely... Yeah. Well-connected you know, with sorceresses. <laughs> that might be euphemistic. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, Dandelion does do a little bit of spying, you know, in the novels, so, you know, uh, not wrong. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, but basically we get um, quite a funny bit of back and forth where um, obviously Dudu is off doing some trading and giving orders for, for things to be bought and sold and employees of the bank are running sort of back to the bank selling selling people to sell or buy and Dainty's just sort of having to roll with it. Yeah, and Ben's um, like, oh, I've got two dainties, one who tells me to sell and one who tells me to um, hold out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But that's basically how the, the business in, in the bank wraps up. Um, and then uh, our sort of trio of, of, of Geralt, Dainty and Dandelion sort of proceed back out to the, the markets to go see if they can figure out what's going on. Yes. Um, where immediately they run into Vespula again. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> With a copper pan. And, yes. And of course, um the three of them had tried to split up to 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 go search for 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 the Doppler and instead of uh, uh, not only does Geralt find Vespula, he also finds Dandelion who is busking instead of looking for Tutu. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be the most most Dandelion thing ever. But as we find yes. out, like, <laughs> very yeah. soon, yes. that that wasn't actually Dandelion, was it? Correct. <laughs> yes. But of course, because he has perfectly copied him, it was an extremely Dandelion move. <laughs> Just busking instead of looking. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yes, Vespula, um... The irate Vespulia hucks a copper pan at him, hits him in the face, and <laughs> knocks him out. <laughs> and he turns yes. into a little dull person again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. I love how 
ridiculous the story is with such a palate cleanser after how sad Shard of Ice is. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, so the Doppler gets chased into, into a tent and, uh, you know, Geralt and Dainty chase after him. And this is um, where basically um, Geralt basically says that, you know, like, wh- whatever else, you know, to come into possession of those horses you did cut his head open and abandoned him in the wilds you're still making use of his personality and ignoring the problems you're causing him uh devil only knows what else you're planning but i'll confuse those plans i'm not going to kill you but you have to leave basically because Geralt has you know will not kill members of intelligent species if he can help it and just wants to just end the mischief here um and the dobbler's response to this is to transform himself into Geralt. um which is something um i actually love this whole sequence because it's like such an insight into like both the nature of dopplers and Geralt's mentality well um, one of the things is that it mentioned again it refers to Geralt smiling hideously um and yes uh, yeah. what a hideous smile i have Geralt thought reaching for his sword what a hideous face i have and how hideously i squint so is that what i look like damn um, has has like, Geralt yeah. ever looked at the reflection of himself? Like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, even if you're, even when he's cutting about like a swamp or something, there's puddles and shit. Surely you'd look at <laughs> yeah. a puddle before, mate. Like, like okay, I get it might yeah. look different if like you have yourself in three D shape in front of you, but like, come on, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, like you lived with Yennefer, she has mirrors, yeah. Like, she definitely Presumably. has mirrors. Like, lots of them, I assume. <laughs> um, unless, unless the, uh, unless the traumatized by mirrors thing from the TV series is canon. Oh. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Yeah. But she sits in front of mirrors applying makeup and stuff in the TV series as well. <gasps> yeah, me. that's true. That's true. Yeah. But, like, oh, God, yeah, just maybe make me think about that. Oh, the whole thing with the mirrors. Oh, Yan. Um, okay, <laughs> focusing. Um, um, so the Geralt and Dudu go to fight each other, and it, it, you know it, they're basically just completely mirroring each other's movements. And you know, Dudu says to Geralt, "You can't defeat me because I am you, Geralt." And Geralt just has this like this quite heartbreaking sequence, really. It's like you know, you're mistaken, Teleco. The Witcher said softly, "Drop your sword and resume." But, but, Bibberveld's form, otherwise you'll regret it. And I am you, the Doppler repeated, you will not gain advantage over me. You cannot defeat me because I am you. And, you know, Geralt replies that you have no idea what it means to be me, Mimic. And he says, I am you again. And Geralt replies, like, no, you are not. And you know why? Because you're a poor little good-natured Doppler. A Doppler who, after all, could have killed Bibberveld and buried his body in the undergrowth. By so doing, gaining total safety and utter certainty that he would not be unmasked ever by anybody, including the halfling spouse, the famous Gardenia Bibberveld. But you don't didn't kill him, Teleco, because you don't have the courage, because you're a poor little good-natured Doppler whose close friends call him Doodoo. And whoever you might change into, you'll always be the same. You only know how to copy what is good in us, because you don't understand the bad in us and that's what you are which is why you will now turn back into Bibbervelt and hold your hands out nicely to be tied up you aren't capable of defying me because I am what you are unable of copying you are absolutely aware of this duty because you took over my thoughts for a moment 
and then sort of it has this bit where like Teleco straightened up abruptly his face's features still those of the witcher blurred and spread out you're right Geralt he said indistinctly I took over your thoughts only briefly but it was sufficient just like this idea that like being Geralt for even a second was so painful that he couldn't cope with it and was just oof um game spoilers for Witcher 3 yeah this happens in the game except they actually do mm -hmm. fight um oh yes you can you do fight with a, a little doppler and you can actually kill them if you are a terrible person um <laughs> and they, they have the exact the the doppler in that sense had the exact same thing where he says oh god it was it was awful being you it was horrible being you how do you live like that <laughs> yeah uh, yeah um this might be where we want to talk about how they portray Dopplers in the show, yes. given... So, yeah. what, so, what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> so the show makes a point of saying, like, when, when, when Kahir approaches um, our, our bad Doppler, of saying, you're not like other Dopplers, are you? You're not kind or good-natured at all, or, or something to that effect. So they are making reference to this story by saying that, you know, most Dopplers are kind and good-natured, but he's different. Um... I think we had a theory when we talked about the show about what made what could possibly have made that Doppler like that. You must have like Doppler's just like in... yeah possessed or mimicked someone who was deeply deeply broken or something like that. Yes, or too many people who were deeply deeply broken and yeah, it just broke his mind over time. Um, yeah, and then eventually that's why he started talking in like third person, um, collective. You know, we, the royal yeah. we all the time. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. because of you, the one, the, the the Doppler in the story is just wicked, um, in the true sense of yeah. the word, yeah. not the late nineties version of the word. And yeah. he has like some yeah. weird fucking like Doppler eugenics shit going on, where he's like collecting bits of like like yeah. you know bodies of interesting specimens of people, like it's silence. It's very silence. Real... It's like he's designing himself a yeah. body. Like there's some real yeah, it's extremely Buffalo Bill. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's very yeah. weird. Um, like, and it's actually you know like, uh, yeah. I think it's very interesting to ask like, the fuck happened to you, mate? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yes, because you know the because the only this is this is basically the only doppler i think we ever get in the books and it's made very clear that you know this is it dopplers can only copy the good in a person and can only be basically helpful like he stole bibbelt's identity and for what to make him a shitload of money because he could yeah like, it just seems like he because he could yeah yeah and i mean like he gives his reasons for why he's doing what he's doing in terms of why he's trying to make some money and live in the city which is you know he he says you know that um he wants to survive and will survive he's one of the last few dopplers because they were exterminated and you know hunted like rabid dogs um you know and here in novigrad it's warm and there's food and he can make money and people don't shoot arrows at each other um and, you know, he says that humans gave dwarves, halflings, gnomes, and even elves the possibility of assimilation. But, you know, why should I be any worse off? Why am I denied that right? Um, what do I have to do to be able to live in the city? Turn into a, like, here we go, turn into a she-elf with doe eyes, silky hair, and long legs. It's the, <laughs> Once again. <laughs> the politics of this is just really interesting and strange of this whole story. Because yeah. it's clearly, 
one, it's an economist writing it about some kind of idealized version of the free market where if you had yeah, like, enough yeah, knowledge really about the world, you could make pillars. <laughs> he really fought to fucking talks for actor. a good long while about the fucking free market in this short story. <laughs> it's, like, like, it's, it's like it's an economist's sweat dream. It's like the person who discovers the Bitcoin, you know. Every, like, <laughs> yeah. This is a guy with perfect knowledge of the market making perfect investment decisions and they all come off perfectly for him. He makes a killing. Isn't this great? Isn't this how the market should work? Isn't, and, isn't and it he, good and because he doesn't, it's a good doesn't, character doesn't, doing doesn't it. hurt anyone in the process because he's good, you know? Like, and it's also extremely free markets and free people because, like, he's basically doing it to buy his freedom from like the racial caste system. He, this is a very neoliberal short story. Um, <laughs> is the conclusion I'm really coming to here? Like, <laughs> like, like every other one. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of the entire. It's the right wing ideal of even things. You know, if you work hard enough, like he's bought random w- things which seemingly are worthless, but actually have a great deal of value if used well, at yeah, the right exactly. time. Well, yeah, exactly. Like it's it's that it's that whole like you know it's the idea that like you know um, I feel uncomfortable saying this because I believe in none of this. But imagine I'm quoting somebody that like capitalism is great because like because you you know like. Um, <laughs> Like, 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 the, not not because it rewards work in and of itself, but because it rewards clever work and it rewards taking risk and profiting exactly. from it. Yeah, all of this is like a sequence of outlandish risks, and because he takes outlandish risks, he gets outlandish rewards. Yeah, um, yes, and that, that's what it boils down to, which is obviously nonsense. Um, (laughs) This is a fantasy novel, after all. Yes. (laughs) Yes, the fantasy that capitalism works. (laughs) In this fantasy universe, The Witcher, (laughs) capitalism actually works. Capitalism actually works. State intervention is always bad. Free markets make free people. Um... <laughs> well, remember, yeah, remember the person in this story collecting taxes is a religious fanatic, um, authoritarian security. Like in the last <laughs> the head of the one, police where threatens where to the... jail him if he doesn't pay taxes straight away. It's uh, pretty, like it's in the previous one where it was a racist, and in the one before, where um, not exactly taxes, but the state was kind of trying to appropriate a dragon's personal wealth. And in Season of Storms, there's just, like, full-on official, like, faked receipts and shit. Like, yeah. everyone who's doing any sort of government money collecting in these stories is terrible. Yeah. Like, Sapkowski's, Sapkowski's main message, really, to all of us is, don't touch my money. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> man, it was the 90s. It was the 90s. It was Poland in the 90s. History was over by then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's before history Uh, restarted, guys. Come on. We got, like, a full-ass ten years off of history, which I'm a little older than you guys, so I remember some of it from when I was a very little kid. Wasn't bad, the ten years we took off of history. (laughs) Well, Sapka clearly agrees with you very strongly. (laughs) <laughs> Not to imply that you're a neolib, but like, 
you know, like no, Jesus, I was about to say, dear God, <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like, in the sense that like he clearly also enjoyed history being over. <laughs> uh, and yet, I became a historian. Yes. Um, well, that's that's yes. exactly it. Some of us, you know, grow out of it. <laughs> well, it's like, when when I finished my physics degree, um, at the end of it. Because you know where physics is, they were they were at pains to say at one point, "Look, I know it looks as if you've we've we've finished everything. Physics is completed. There's still loads of physics to do. Please don't just leave physics." Because <laughs> <laughs> the physics is completed is the best sentence. Physics is completed. Physics. <laughs> it's because like the the fun thing about a physics degree is that you start like four thousand years ago. And then by the time you finish, you get up to like two, th- you know, the early two thousands, um, into sort of weird <laughs> quantum theory stuff, um, mm-hmm. and that's when it sort of ends. And then you sort of choose your speciality or go on to do a masters or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. funny that that. Of course, a third <laughs> of the people from my uni's physics degree went on to work for Celex, designing optical systems for weapons and what have you. But um, <sighs> that's the nature of yeah. STEM. I mean, the great thing about having been terrible at math is I never have to worry that my work is morally compromising so I just sit around and read old books. <laughs> uh, so yes, after, after all this, we get... Um... We do get one lovely thing of all of the terrible darkness that was seen in Geralt's head. Dudu does say sort of one slightly reassuring thing about sort of Geralt's internal state. Which is, you know, we get all of that, this fighting, we're well, not fighting, but like arguing and, and, and Dudu giving his reasons for why he did what he did. And then says, okay, well, like I'm going and you, Geralt, will not even try to stop me because I know you thought, knew your thoughts for a moment, including the ones you don't want to admit to, the ones you hide even from yourself. Because to stop me, you'd have to kill me. And the thought of killing me in cold blood fills you with disgust, doesn't it? So this idea that like, actually there is this like thing that Geralt doesn't even like to admit to himself. And part of that is that like, he hates the part of his job that could result in killing um, sentient beings. And that is actually still, that is actually a lovely thing though, because Dudu can only copy the good in Geralt. That is clearly something that Geralt struggles with, but is the good in him that he couldn't have brought himself to do it. Well, yeah, this is the thing that sort of, you know, marks a notable change from it just being a story of, you know, a Conan the Barbarian style figure is that he does not enjoy what he does <laughs> he's a tradesman yes. <laughs> yes who can often not bring himself to do his job yes yeah um so he by the way like i did i was helpful. i was gonna say like i kind of forgot about it at the time but i just remembered like um Geralt does have you know like how we joke that Geralt is like basically a mall cop well he performs a very very mall cop <laughs> moment like in this short story when they kind of neutralize dudu and like you know tie him up like, oh yeah, he like, bundles and, him up and and, and like the the fucking what do you call him innkeeper just wants to call the guards like and Geralt is just yes. like don't worry innkeeper everything is under control as you can see <laughs> <laughs> the situation is under control <laughs> mall cop Geralt of Rivia yes oh gosh you know there is um, there's already a podcast where pe- the the same hosts every Thanksgiving watch Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 
and review it. They're on like their fifth year or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great bit. It's just like, yeah, it's like the McElroy brothers and like the two guys from the Worst Idea of All Time podcast. Just yeah, every year they watch Paul Blart Mall Cop too. And yeah, um, just yes, it's a good podcast. <laughs> um, and um, Dudu of course does sort of one last helpful thing as he's wandering away as Dandelion. He he finishes the song that Dandelion's been struggling with this whole story and suggests that Winter is in fact a terrible title and that he should call it the Eternal Fire. Yes, before getting uh, conked in the napper by a pan and yes. turning into a doughboy and getting rolled up into a rug. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, Vespula. Some good, good deployment of slapstick here. Yes. And sort of all comes together here as uh, Chappelle arrives. Um, so we've got our whole cast together. We've got Dainty and and Chappelle and Geralt and uh, and Doodoo all together. And I'm actually completely blanking about what happens next. I'm sorry, guys. I just like, my brain just stopped. <laughs> this is what you need to, to have the wiki up in front of you like I do. <laughs> I've got the actual p- p- like Chappelle... pop of the book and my notes in front of me. My brain just turned off. Chappelle <laughs> turns up without any bodyguards and he approaches the Doppler and... Um, but like Chappelle tries to con- communicate with Doppler with with Dudu as he's deforming, like reminding that Dudu mm-hmm. is is his, is his name, like which by the way, um, mm-hmm. actually, like the fact that like Chappelle calls him Dudu and Dudu before had said that my friends call me Dudu, like does oh yeah, so they do know each other then. I do think they do know each other. Yeah. Yeah, and this is where we sort of get the Dudu mall of um why Dudu bought all the stuff, why he sold all the stuff, and why he bought, like, rotten olive oil and uh, bits of um, wick, basically, and rose oil is because, you know, the, the cult of the of the Eternal Fire is going to buy loads of candles, and he's, they've all made loads of money, and they, you know, they discover that Chappelle is actually a benign vexling who took over because the last Chappelle died <laughs> and mm-hmm. <laughs> quietly adopted his person and uh, yeah. they, they all go to the Passiflora together and have a grand old time mm-hmm. yes yeah. so he bought the cod liver oil and the wax and, and all of that because oh yes that final there's line there's a great bit um, there like where like, yes. do, do, like sorry yes. Dainty uh, highlights that they don't let halflings into the Passiflora and Chappelle says they can try. I'll accuse their entire brothel of heresy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and of course. And then in the, in, in, I'm sure this is. I, I'm not sure how this joke works in any version, but the English version. But uh, so they all decide they're going, and, and Dandelion says, "Yes, this is very satisfactory." Geralt, are you coming? And Geralt laughs and says, "You know what, Dandelion? I'll come with pleasure." <laughs> no, it works only in English because in Lithuanian, it's it's literally that, but doesn't have the specific meaning it has in English, okay? <laughs> Although, I'll come with pleasure honestly is a ve- seems like if that was not a deliberate word choice by the translators, they are even worse translators than I thought they were. And if it was... It has to be. It's kind of incredible. Like... <laughs> it's pretty incredible. I think it has to have been on purpose. Because, like, okay, you know what? I'll come. Fight, fight. But 
adding with pleasure onto the top. Yeah. Yeah, it, it feels yeah. deliberate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, so all's well that ends well. The, the church has all of its material, its flammable material that it needs for vigil lights for this, this altar of the eternal fire. Dainty's made more money than he would make in a year. Um, more, more money than Dandelion would make in a lifetime, I think he said. Um, Dainty is going to, to pay Carol for a new jacket after, after Doodoo destroyed it. And, uh, and they're off to the Passiflora. The end. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. It's another quite short. So I think the stories in this one are pretty consistently short-ish. They're only like 50-something pages. Um, you think the first one was crazy long? Uh, short, yeah, one of them was 80 pages. Um, and the rest are like 50-ish. Yeah. yeah, I don't even remember what the first one was. Bounds of Reason. Is that crazy? Uh, the Bounds of Reason, yeah. The Dragon Hunt one. Which is funny, because like, nothing happened in that one. It was just really long. Yeah, um, it, it, it's a slow burn, uh, this book. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's sort of interesting. So, I mean, Shard of Ice is really short. Like, super short. Like, I think even shorter than this. And it, but it had so much that we, like, talked about it for, like, almost two hours um whereas i think this one's just quite quite a quite forward really pleasant funny story that's just sort of like joyful to read yeah it's like a nice cup of tea of a of a story it is it's just comfortable and nice <laughs> which make yeah it's a it's a there's a bit of a gradient between this and baptism of fire anyway oh boy <laughs> it sure is <laughs> oh gosh um, but it does give us, yeah, some interesting world building, a bit more about, like, the, the, the racial tensions in terms of, like, halflings not being allowed into the brothel and dainty feeling at least some solidarity with Doodoo as a fellow non-human and the weird sexualization of elves and half-elves, um, and sort of, um, the, the fact that we get sort of more discussion of, it's not just, like, monsters that humans cleared from, like, their sort of the places they lived to build their cities and sort of push back the the woods but also sort of intelligent species like the dobblers were sort of hunted to extinction as well yeah because he mentions he turns into a wolf for a bit doesn't he but he didn't quite like it and he, yeah yeah he, yeah, he thought it's weird or something like yeah it. yeah because he wants to he wants to have like a the kind of comfortable life that a sapient species likes to have yeah yeah because he's as established at the beginning as sapient species. Yes. <laughs> so I so do yes, wonder. Definitely. Are are Dopplers in and of themselves sapient, or did they become sapient because they mimicked humans? That's a question, actually. I mean, mm. can you learn? Because if they can turn into wolves, then like, it's entirely I mean, possible they weren't. Like, how do you put this right? Like, you know, sapience is something like species sort of evolved through. Well, really, learning, right? Like, so it, I don't know why I say species as though we know of multiple sapient species in the real world. Humans evolved through just learning more shit about the world. So, like... Well, I mean, we're the only surviving sapient species. Yeah. We kind of killed the rest or outbred the rest. In, in short, the Witcher is real. Um, like... <laughs> <laughs> um, like, but, no, um, like, like, like... If, if you know, like, sapience is just really a status where you've reached a particularly or a sufficiently high level of, like, having learned things about the universe, 
and Dopplers basically mostly learn knowledge by accessing people's minds, then yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense to me. It would it would be quite a neat explanation for it, anyway. Mm. I'm just trying to find the bits where he talks about being... about what happened to the Dopplers when the humans arrived and see if, like, that implies... Not even necessarily... They didn't, wouldn't even necessarily have had to imitate humans, just humanoids, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they could have been dop- yeah, they could be copying. Yeah, were they sapient originally, or did they copy a bunch of elves or dwarves or halflings? Yeah, like yeah, the bits of Redania around Dovigrad seem to have lots of halflings, so I think that might actually be like their original homeland. Like because yeah, because um, well, the bits of Redania and Temeria, because um, the like next kind of like halfling settlement we see is in times of contempt. Mm-hmm. And that's in mm-hmm. in Velen, like near near Gorse Velen, which mm-hmm. is just across the river, essentially from Novigrad. So, I think like the the right. the Pontar Delta region might be where they were originally from, hmm. or like at least like you know settled whenever halflings settled in the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only thing we really know about Dopplers as like a inherent trait is that they are just inherently good and inherently helpful. But everything else, we don't know what is really their inherent traits. I think it's like also actually interesting that they are like inherently good because like I mean, just like for me personally, it makes a lot of logical sense that a species that can literally get into anyone's mind by simply like and like and in a way that like very few it's it's not just mind reading, right? It's it's also having all the physical experiences that. It's that like person extreme empathy. Yeah, like they they are literally equipped with like a degree of empathy that literally lets them get into someone's shoes. Yeah. Like so it makes sense to me that they would be just unbelievably kind and good. And I suppose yeah. also and if the... there were any bad ones, then they would get noticed so quickly that they would probably be the ones <laughs> getting baked in coffins. <laughs> I would suppose so. Mm. God, I wonder if that's what the sh- <coughs> <coughs> I wonder if that's a thought that entered the show writers' heads and made them think, oh, oh if that's how they this. deal with him. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. Reminder that the show Dobbler is still alive. Yeah, yeah. whether he just gets he killed by Kahir or whether he does, in fact, get turned into a Doppler pie. Yes. Yes. So we'll see what happens to, to that in the show. But uh, They've already showed they like to um, reference quite niche things from the stories sometimes, so we'll see what happens. I think that's a good place to wrap up yeah me too um all right well that's our show thanks so much for joining us and um we'll see you again next time for the fourth story from the sword of destiny which is a little sacrifice our music is medieval abstraction by lucas parney and milislav kolar which you can find at freemusicarchive.org and you can find us at at the witcher cast on both twitter and tumblr or you can email us at castapodtourwitcher at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. Bye.